0: Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at at info@capitalchurch.co. Let me turn this Bible in a moment. I, when I was growing up, I think I was hesitant to be a Christian. Uh, full on all in because I felt like a lot of the Christians I knew it looked like their life was boring. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're not going to get in trouble if you agree with me. Uh, I've been saved about 19 times and then the last time, you know, stuck. But I remember sitting in church and sometimes you would hear testimonies of people who would have this huge portion before they met Jesus. And it would be the most exciting part of the service because people would be like, before I met Jesus, I was in gangs. I dealt drugs. I was the life of the party. Everybody knew me and life was crazy. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. And then they'd be like, and then I got saved. And that would be it. And I would think over time, I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. Like, why would I want to leave anything and go to that? Because apparently when you meet Jesus, that's where it all ends. It's like a, a slow downhill slide into, I guess, just a really boring Christian life. I am so glad I was wrong. I am so glad that we get to be around churches that are filled with people that can let you know not only does your life not stop because of Jesus, we have the right to believe that the best is yet to come. And that is not a cliche and that is not a random churchy thing to say. I really believe that because of Jesus, we have so much to look forward to. Somebody asked me recently, they said, "Uh, how do you feel about our country? And I was like, I'm hopeful. They're like, I mean, no, seriously, how do you feel about our country? I was like, I I guess you don't get it. I'm a Christian. I still believe that our God is always on the move. He is always doing stuff that we cannot see. Come on, somebody, shout me down at the 11. And that's why I've called this message, um, Preach a different one than the first one, and I'm going to give you a couple options for a title. You can call this, The Story is Still Being Written. You can choose, um, I'm definitely going to turn the page. Whatever that is, you can use, I want to grow right now. That was supposed to be funny. It wasn't. It was a shout out to Rob Bass. I want to rock right now. Apparently, we only listen to worship in Idaho. It's fine. But I do believe for many, it might be time for you to go home. Not right now, after. Get on your knees and say, Lord, I am ready for a new chapter. I'm ready to have a fresh faith. I'm ready to look at people in a different way. And I believe it could be time for you to turn the page. I don't know what page you might be on in your life, but I'm going to prove to you in just a moment through this word that because of Jesus, we have the right to see change in our lives. If you believe it, you can say amen. And I'm going to, um, I want you to turn to Leviticus. Kidding, that's for Chris to do. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, and the context is the Apostle Paul telling a church like ours um, that you have not arrived. He's basically going at a church that uh, could be accused of uh, falling in love with the gifts and missing out on the gift giver. People who have just become so churchified where they are comfortable and where they've been, and Paul is letting them know, y'all don't have this right. And he starts to describe what life can be like and who our God is. And that what precedes this is a very famous scripture. If you've been to any Christian wedding, you've heard about love. And it's such a shame because this is such an explosive passage of scripture. I'm gonna pick it up, First Corinthians chapter. You pick it and we'll just make it work because all of Corinthians is good. Okay, not funny again. There's just a bunch of dead jokes up here. I don't know what we're gonna do with it, Tracy. First Corinthians 13, chapter 11. And he says this, he says, when I was a child, I spoke about childish matters for I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child, but the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways for now in Idaho, I added that. We see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. He was saying that because people love their spiritual gifts and they love their prophecies and they love to say things had more meaning than they really did. He's saying this is just like reflected in a mirror. But one day we'll see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then. There are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the prize for which you run. I can sum that whole thing up by Paul saying, you have not arrived. In case you need further proof, let's go to Second Peter. And this is after he's warned them to not be fooled by uh, false teachers to not listen to teaching that really doesn't do anything for you. He's warning them again about making sure their diet is right. And then he lands on this. This is 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, As for you, Boise, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful that you're not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your firm grip on the truth, but continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus. So you have on one hand, Paul saying, please believe that you have not arrived. And then we come to Peter and Peter saying, please grow in the things of God. That's why I believe today passionately that this could be a prophetic word for somebody that it is absolutely time to turn the page. God might have something new for you if you are ready to get back on your knees and say, Lord, I surrender. Do something fresh in my life. Because I do know this. I do not want to look back on my life and recognize myself. I do not want to be the same person. I don't want to have the same drama. I don't want to have the same hang up I don't want to have the same issues. I don't want to say the same jokes. I don't want to have the same favorite song. I don't want to have my same favorite scripture. I believe God is so good that at any point that I'm ready, he is such a transformative, ridiculous God that I can say, Lord, I'm ready for something new and he will do it. I want to have new problems. I want to have new friends. I want to have new moments. I want to have new testimonies. This could be our portion. If we understand how good our God is. So I wonder if you really understand today, you have the right to turn the page. I don't know what story or what chapter you might be on in your life, but if you, should, if you desire, you can sit here today and say, Lord, I'm ready to turn the page. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Who am I preaching to? Who believes you have a new season in store? Okay, I had to make sure. Which section is the faith-filled one? I knew it. it really gets me going to that side. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to amalgamate like 19 messages. And I was told previously, this is the Baptist length service. Three hours. (laughs) We're just gonna serve food at some point. People are gonna come and go as they please. It's fine. I do believe this without a shadow of a doubt that being a page turner, somebody who wants more in your life and you've already agreed that that's you, uh, it, 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 it comes with being a risk taker. Change will not come in comfort. So I feel like I want to do your pastor a favor and not give you something that's going to, you know, have you leave and question what I preached. I'm telling you right now, if you put your hand up on one, on one, you know, challenge and say, I'm ready for the page to turn. It comes hand in hand with being a risk taker. Change will not come in comfort. I wish that I could tell God when I was ready to change. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could be like, God, from Monday, 9 to 11, I'm open for change. But I've got some big plans this week, so I'm not really up for change. No, if you really are desperate to see God move in your life and move in your high school and move on your college campus, you're going to have to understand that I'm going to have to take some risks. Your church is gonna to continue to turn the page, and it's gonna include some things that we might not get right now. Some moments of faith where you gotta step out, and you gotta be careful you don't become a church, this is for ours at Hillsong New York City as well, where you find yourself asking God to deliver you from your own prayer request. Have you ever been victim of this before? It's when people will pray one thing because our songs are so good, right? And then you realize what you're asking for, and then it's like, but that doesn't sound as good. Like we sing songs like New Wine, In the Pressing, in the breaking and you realize what you're singing you're like ah but if you're not careful you can pray for something and God starts to do it and you didn't realize what you were praying in the first place and you start asking God to deliver you from the very thing you prayed for the week before God use me two months later why did you leave church I just felt used (laughs) happens all the time spirit lead me Where my trust is without borders. Let me walk up on the water. And then you need help. Can someone pray for me? I just feel a bit scattered. God, use me as a bridge to bring the lost home. And then you got to get help. What's going on with you? You seem a little bit discouraged. I just feel like people are walking all over me. God, bring revival to Boise. Come on, let's, let's see these church walls get pushed out. Let's see the lost come home. In a couple of weeks later, you see that guy in the third row? It's just kind of interesting. What's going on with our church? I mean, I don't even recognize some of these carnal people. There's somebody with blue hair, and there's another guy I don't really trust, you know, sitting behind me. Like, trust me, when we pray certain things, I don't think we understand that God is ready to not just answer it, but blow it out of the water. You should have a church that gets you uncomfortable. You should be in an environment where you look around, you're like, I personally believe you shouldn't go to a church that you can have your eyes shut during worship. You should always go to a church where you got one hand up, one hand on your wallet because you love that new person, but he might steal all your stuff. When we don't get this, y'all, we will pray for change. And it's because it's not in the language or the method we want. We say no and we miss out on what God can do. I'm up here as an example of somebody who wanted to turn the page in my faith, but also kind of, understood over time that this is going to require some major faith steps. Like the fact that I am a preaching, uh, I'm a a preaching, who failed English. (laughs) I am a preaching. The fact that I'm preaching is a miracle. But it's proof that I remember back in the day, I said, God, I'll do anything but preach. And I just talked to one of your amazing pastors before who reminded me of this story. I remember thinking, Lord, I'll do anything for you except for the whole public speaking thing. If you want to have a good laugh, tell God what you want to do with your life. And to the point where anybody have that same fear? Really? Because it's still the number one fear in America, only rivaled by number two, dying from a shark attack. Think about that. People would rather not, okay, anyway. I remember being in Bible college just thinking, I just, I'm not a good speaker. Uh, I just can't do that. And I know what people do to preachers, but, you know, like they just pick them apart all the time. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and I remember being in classes where even the thought of having to publicly speak, I would skip the class altogether. Literally would miss school that day. And one day I was in a chapel in a room just like this, and it was an amazing prayer meeting, uh, worship session. I was down front, both hands lifted, loving it, just worshiping. And some guy who apparently was moving in the Holy Spirit, isn't that annoying, gets up and he's like, we're going to stop what we normally do, and we're just going to start praying for the nation. So right away I get a little bit anxious. I'm "Ah, I'm, I'm in Australia, I'm an American. He's like, we're going to get this guy to pray for Denmark. We're going to get this guy to pray for... um, uh, you know, where, and then there's a guy from Virginia. He's a first year. I went, And then as soon as I heard Virginia, I went from worshiping God to slowly moving through the crowd. Like, and I got out of the hallway and I looked around. And I'm like, where can I hide? There's closets were locked. And I found a bathroom, went in the bathroom, shut the stall and hopped up on the highest part of the toilet and just sat there. And I was like, if there is a God, you will hide me now under your wings. And I remember sitting there for at least an hour. People came in looking for me. Hey, Phil, he's looking for Carl. Where is he at? And I just remember sitting there, Lord, don't let him find me. Don't let him find me. Keep in mind, I'm a grown man at this point in my life. And after about an hour where I felt like the coast was clear, I just had that moment of reflection where I just thought to myself, let me get this straight. I would trust God to save my soul but won't trust him to sustain me in the walk that he's called me to. And I don't know what happened in that bathroom stall, but I remember hopping out of there going, Lord, I don't know what the future holds, but I promise you this, no matter what it is, no matter how crazy, no matter how embarrassing, no matter how wild it may appear, if you open a door, I will walk through it. And it has been a journey since that day of saying, all right, Lord, if I want to change, I'll be ready for you to do it your way. And there might be some people in here who are metaphorically hiding on a bathroom stall. It might be your time to hop on off and start trusting the God that saved you will be the same God that will sustain you when he calls you out into a new chapter. So do not lift your hand today and say, Lord, I'm ready to turn the page. If you don't really understand what the preparation is going to be like for God to answer your prayer. That's right. Come on, somebody. Are you still ready to turn the page? I'll give you a couple ways that I think you can do it. A couple uh, ideas. And if they work, you can thank me someday. And if they don't work, you can email me <laughs> at com at wild. Three things. Ready? Number one, this is just for people who want to change. So if you have arrived and your life is perfect and you know it all, I cannot help you at all. But if you feel like there might be a sliver of opportunity for you to know Jesus a little bit better, this might help you. Number one, realize you cannot have exactly what you want, but you need to grow anyway. No notes, because I just changed the message. So your amazing graphics team have nothing. You have to do it all yourself. Realize that you cannot always have exactly what you want, but you have to grow anyway. To go back to the original text that I just read, when Paul said, "When I was a child, I used to reason like a child." The original word he used uh, was to estimate. Have you? Uh, how many uh, parents do we have in here? Have you ever seen your children estimate or reason about anything? ridiculous they cannot do it children have this amazing way of just reasoning enough to get exactly what they want and nothing more they can't think past lunch that is exactly what Paul was saying y'all are still reasoning according to what you want like if I had my son Roman up here today and I was like Roman what do you want for your life what do you need And he'd be like I need Doritos and xbox dad because he doesn't understand what he needs because he's still reasoning like a child. Paul is going at this same thing, saying y'all are not getting what you want at times because you can't see what God is doing, so you're stopping. Here's the problem with American modern-day Christianity. Can't speak for Idaho, but I can speak for Manhattan. We have sold people a wrong bill of Jesus' goods. We have told people that God is the great waiter in the sky and that Jesus is here to fulfill your dreams, and you can just write it up like he's Burger King, and you can send it to heaven, and God owes you your exact dream and your perfect spouse and your better job and your better car. I got bad and good news. The bad news is that's not true. The good news is God's plans are way better. And sometimes God will not give you what you want so he can get to you what you need. In fact, sometimes what you think is going to make you happy will rage against what God thinks is going to make you holy. And in these moments, you're going to have to make this decision, will I allow God to change me or not? Because happy is not our enemy. Happy's fine. I want to be happy a lot too, but sometimes I've realized happy is a really good song. Pharrell won a Grammy but it's a really bad way to live as a Christian because sometimes what we want, what we think we need is different. And God loves us so much where sometimes he will say, no, I'm gonna withhold what you think you want to get you what you need. And sometimes in those moments, I know some of the young people in here, hear me loud and clear. There are gonna be times when everything in you is going this way and God's gonna be drawing you this way in that moment where you turn the page and trust him. The fancy word is called sanctification because the goal is to walk with Jesus so closely that eventually what you want is also what God wants. It's called getting older. I think about the things that I wanted um, when I was 20 and the things that I now want as I'm 40, which by the way, this is the first message I've ever preached as a 40-year-old. 40, just turned 40 the other day. But I've changed. Thank you. Someone's about to say happy birthday. I hear you. Thank you. Credit in heaven to you. <laughs> but when I, was, when I was 20, if you were to ask me about a car, like, what kind of car do you want? I'd be like Escalade with rims. Great system. That's what I want. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm going to be like, cars, let's talk about Prius. Let's talk about uh, fuel efficiency. Let's talk about safety. Like, what changed? It just got a little bit older. Like, if you were going to talk to me about, I don't know, like normal things. Like For instance, I don't look at um, roller coasters the same. I don't look at Disneyland the same. Like, when I was 20, like a young dad, 25, I remember going into Disney World, like, this is amazing. What great memories. Now that I'm 40, I walk in and I'm like, Mickey, he's a hustler. He's taking my money. At every single turn, took my money in the parking lot took my money at the concession stance it's not enough for Mickey I don't I don't I don't look at a roller coaster like I want to be on this like this is this is amazing like I used to now I sit there and I'm getting strapped in I'm looking at this guy I'm like the guy this guy's high how did he get this job high like how can this be like who's the manager like what how can I'm writing a letter like what shifted in me I've just been around life longer So what matters to me is completely different. If we truly are walking with the living God, eventually what we used to want, we should look at it and go, I don't even want that anymore. I want more of Jesus. I want more of what's right. So some of you, if you ever find yourself in that place where your flesh is louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit, stick it out. We've all been there. There are moments where everything in you wants to go one way and the Holy Spirit will draw you another. If you can just keep on turning the page, there will come a day and you'll look back and go, I can't even believe I ever wanted that. So be encouraged if you're in that place. I don't know who I'm talking to. Is anybody encouraged by that? I hope so. You're doing better than you think you are. I've often found as well, like when you don't get what you want, when you're trying to grow, it's because God has what you need on the way. And I've learned this as a pastor, as a dad, like as uh, Pastor Cam was saying earlier, we've seen some really awesome things um, as a new church, but there have been some things over the years I thought that I wanted for our church, and then look back on it, I'm like, wow, we didn't need that. Thankfully, God knows better than we do. Like, I wanted simple stuff, like I, I wanted a building. It seems like something that would be fair to ask God for. We still don't have a building. That's why I'm coveting everything you have. You have a basketball court, like... We meet in clubs still. Like, I don't even feel comfortable in a church setting if it doesn't smell like a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of the devil's lettuce. But I I remember thinking, some of y'all get that later and you'll laugh. I remember thinking, Lord, it would be really cool to have like um, a place to baptize people fair call. And I remember being so frustrated because over the first couple months and years, we saw so many people getting saved and baptized and we couldn't get a permit. We couldn't get the little pools in New York, like everything's impossible. And every week it would get like more and more complicated to just baptize people to the point where I just was like, Lord, you got to do a miracle. We got to make this happen. So one of my friends calls me. He's like, Hey, I think I got us a deal. Keep in mind, I want a regular, I think our church needs a regular baptism. I want the, I want the photos. I want the, I've been baptized for, I want all that. I think I got a deal for us down at the Gansevoort Hotel, you know, in, in Soho in, in Manhattan. Like, uh, my buddy owns this building, and there's a club at the top, and there's a pool up there. And I was like, done. Just get us in the room. We'll sign the deal. And I remember sitting there with the guy. He's like, so, what do you guys want to use the pool for? I'm like, I don't know I <laughs> keep in mind, the club is still going while we were renting this pool. And it, forget about, like, the beautiful photos. Forget about the, do you love the Lord Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Has he saved you? It was like, we're talking about, like, baptism. So the whole night, there's this club that's meeting. People are drinking, dancing, having a night. And then there's this random rows of Christians. And people are watching this, like, give me another drink. This is a great show. And over a 1,000 people in our church showed up to that night. And while this night is raging, we are literally baptizing people in rows of four. Just, I looked up at the sky at one point. I'm like, I I never would have thought that God could do something like this. I thought we needed this, but apparently God wanted to remind us as a church. It's not about a building. It's not about a religious protocol. God will do what he wants to do. It's not even the best part. At At the end of the night, we're done. We're just kind of thinking about, what a great night it was and the bar staff like sent over one messenger like, they, like threw this one waitress over there just in case you know the weird christians she didn't come back she's like hey um we were just wondering um what are you guys doing in the pool i'm like oh we're, we're baptizing people Um, we believe as Christians, you know, it's like an outward confession of an inward revival that God has set you free. And we don't just dip people's toes in it because the grace of God covers all of your life. And when you go under that water, you're mindful of the fact that God's grace covers you. When you come out, you can feel it on your face and it just reminds the world. It reminds you, you're not ashamed of the gospel that set you free. And it can seem weird, but what y'all do is weird too. And it's our kind of weird. And it just reminds us that God is with us and forever. And she looks at me and she goes, "Do do you think we could get saved and baptized? I was like, yeah, I think you can. And we ended up baptizing an entire staff of bartenders and waitresses in the middle of Manhattan under some stars in a club the whole time. I thought we needed this. And God said, no, 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 I know what you need. If you are frustrated today because you have been waiting for God to do something your way, that's what children do. When they don't get what they want, what do they do? Paul is saying some of y'all are pouting like little children. You're still reasoning like children. Trust God. He saved you. He will also sustain you. Come on, somebody, if you hear me. Can't always have what you want. But you got to grow anyway. Number two. Realize, and thank you, Corey, for double dipping back there on the keys the entire time realize that not every fight is your fight, but you better be found fighting the right fight. You want to grow? You want to see God continue to move in your life? Please realize not every fight is your fight, but you better be found fighting the right fight. When Paul talks about, I put the old ways behind me, it's a very silent, subtle inference to the fact that this faith will be a fight. There are fights that will be a part of this journey, but he's also saying, with the whole kid analogy, have you ever seen what kids fight about, by the way? Sometimes I think they get in fights just to frustrate parents. I remember we are going on a vacation with our children, and we hadn't left Newark, New Jersey, and my kids are in the back seat. Keep in mind, we have a great thing planned, and they're bickering about whatever. I turn around, I'm like, what are y'all fighting about? And I was like, she's on my side, breathing my air. I'm like, we're going on vacation I wonder sometimes if we're getting drawn into the wrong fights. You want to talk about what stops your life as a Christian from growing? I do believe it's when people get distracted from the right fights because there are plenty of them. Think about all the fights we should be in today as Christians. We need to fight against injustice. We need to fight against racism that still plagues our culture day in and day out. We need to fight for the voices of those that have none. We need to fight to protect those that cannot protect themselves. We have so many amazing, valiant, supernatural fights to be in that we can not waste one day going backwards because the devil is drawing us into fights we don't belong in in the first place. You know how many churches have stopped growing because the churches got into fights they don't need to be in? How many Christians have stopped growing because they're involved in fights that they don't need to be in? Think about it this week. Like, Where did your faith and energy go? Where did all your passion go? Where was all your focus? Because the devil cannot stop Christians from fighting. It's in you. But he can distract you and get you involved in things you don't need to be in. And before you know it, you're like, man, I haven't grown a day in my life. What happened? You got drawn into the wrong fight. How can I stop this local church? Let's get them fighting about the color of the carpet. Let's get them uh, fighting about the style of worship. Rather than fighting for the loss, we can't even get along inside our own churches. We can't figure out why we're losing. I, my prayer is, Lord, please don't let me get drawn out of the right fight. I know the Halloween just passed. But y'all know the classic horror movie scene where there'll be like a party and everybody will be drinking. And normally at some point in this horror movie, I know y'all don't watch that, but if you had an unsanctified friend who did, there's always that scene where there's that that one girl, typically a white girl named Tiffany, and she's just like, I'm gonna go outside and I'm gonna go walk in the forest for no reason. (laughs) And everybody's yelling at the screen, Tiffany, why would you do that? clearly evident that there's a killer out there why would you do that but she has no explanation and she goes and everyone watches this go down and she dies predictably when all she had to do was just enjoy the activity and the party that she was actually invited to one thing i do know about pastor in our church you can almost see this play out in people's lives where they've been fighting the wrong battle They've been fighting the wrong war. And you're like, can you please come closer to Jesus? Because he loves you so much where he won't let you fight you for the best of him. And he will draw you into where you need to be at the right place, at the right time with the right people. Please don't get caught fighting the wrong battles if you want to continue to grow. Come on, somebody. Say amen if you hear me. We have a mandate as a church. I told uh, Hillsong New York City when we started, I said, hey, we're going to get into some fights and we're probably gonna get in some trouble here and there. But here's what we're fighting for. We will fight for the lost. We will fight for the broken. We will fight for the needy. We don't care what it looks like. We don't care what it sounds like. This is our mandate and we will not be distracted from it. We're coming after people. I remember when we first started, people were like, what's your demographic? Who are you trying to reach in New York? Is it the millennials? Is it the young families? And I would tell people, oh, we're, we're trying to reach everybody. They'd be like, that's not good enough. Got to be more specific. I'm like, if people are breathing, we're going to fight for them. We don't care if you're rich. We don't care if you're broke. We don't care if you're famous. We don't care if you're anonymous. We don't care if you're from this side of the tracks or that side of the tracks. We don't care if you're an ex-Pentecostal or an ex-Catholic or a current whatever. We are coming for you with the love of God. We will fight for this until the very end. But we have to remind people, this is what we fight for. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you can forget. And I told the last service this, this moment in church changed my life. And I think a lot of other people, when they, when they heard about what happened, because our mandate is to fight for the lost. We're not going to get caught up in the religious stuff. Sometimes we make it harder for people to get into church than Jesus did to get into heaven. Yeah. Wow. So we're going to fight to keep our doors open. And that doesn't mean we're going to advocate your behavior. That doesn't mean we're going to endorse your lifestyle. It just means we are going to fight to give you a moment to hear the gospel as it should be told. And at one point we had eight or nine services it like downtown New York, because our building was so small. And we went outside to greet the people who had come to the 945 service, kid you not. And uh, the line wrapped around the building, we were shaking hands. And as we uh, were walking in, I looked in this alleyway and I saw this, this man, I can still see his face. Um, he had a long Santa Claus like beard. He had a hat on that let us know he was um, a veteran. And immediately, my heart goes out to any veterans because my grandfather was wounded in battle. My great uncle was killed fighting for our country. We have a proud history of uh, our military being such an honorable, honorable calling. And I believe our country has such a long way to go when it comes to honoring the men and women that have given so much. Oh, I remember looking at this man. I said, uh, sir, what are you doing tonight? And he looks at me, and goes, this is kind of what I'm doing. This is where I live. And you could tell he had his cart. And he had his bedding laying there in the alleyway. And I said, well, if you don't have any plans, you know, we got a church service right down the road. And he goes, you got a church, 945? I said, yeah, will you come? He goes, I don't, I don't belong in church. You know, look, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't look right. I don't smell right. And I said, sir, trust me. I know the guy who runs that church. I know the people who go there, you're going to fit right in. He goes, no, I can't go. I've done so many bad things. You don't even want to know my story, son. I said, sir, I do, but trust me. Will you just come with me, be my guest? And he goes, to be honest with you, and he holds up his hand. He had a beer can in it, and he was shaking. He said, I can't go anywhere with this, without this. And This one's almost done. I don't want to be a distraction in your service. So I can't go. And I said, sir, are you, are you telling me that if you had another beer, you would come to church? He goes, well... I guess that's what I'm saying. I said, there is a bodega right next to church. I will buy you a beer if you're telling me that's going to get you into church. And I said, is it a deal? He goes, sounds like a deal. And so I picked him up. We walked into this bodega, bought him six. <laughs> walked right into church. Our church didn't blink an eye, sat right in the front. We just sat there and worshiped together in much to his shock and awe. I said, I'll be right back, got up and started leading the service. <laughs> Here now you're there. <laughs> and I preached and I love to see our church's reaction because that same seat, the service before, there was somebody that everybody knew. And our ushers put their arm around him. In this service, there was a man that nobody but God knew. I'm around him. So he's listening. And I remember I took a sip of water like I always do, and I said, Cheers. And he stood up, he's like, Thanks for the beer, Pastor. I'm like, not now. I <laughs> I remember watching him listen to me and put his beard down. And He was listening intently, started to weep. I remember the first moment I gave people a chance to give their life to Jesus. He just put his hand up. He walked up on the stage right here, hugged them. And I remember going home that night. And keep in mind, we're not advocating drinking. We've never done that before. Don't know if we'll do it since. My point is, we, there's a fight for life and death. And there's this man here. I went home, I told Laura, I said, Lord, if God took us home tonight, I feel like I could, I, could, I could say, Lord, we did our best with what you gave us at Hillsong, New York City. And that man deserved a chance to be fought for. And I walked in the, the next Sunday still feeling like this was an awesome thing. And uh, I was in worship, and this really sweet lady comes up, and she said, Pastor, I want you to know me and my family are out of here. We're leaving the church, which is exactly what you want to hear during worship. And I said, well, what happened? She said, hey, you've just gone too far. You've conformed. You've dropped the standards. You've become like the world. I said, well, what blog did you read? Like, it's not always true just because it's on the Internet. And uh, she said, no, oh, it wasn't a blog. Said, there was a man last Sunday night in church next to you with a beer. I said, well, ma'am, to our credit, we do have church in the club. And we <laughs> I said, no, you had a beer in the club. You had a beer in, in church. I said, ma'am, I get that. But I said, can you just for a moment... Before you fight me on this, can you hear me out? When was the last time you went to the Bowery Mission and fed some of our homeless and looked into their eyes? When was the last time you went with our prayer team to the hospital and prayed with people who are dying and their liver is not functioning because that alcohol demon wrecked everything they had. When was the last time you prayed with somebody who didn't have any hope? I said, I'm not saying that your point isn't something to think about. What I am saying is that there is a fight right now for this man. And it does not start with the beer in his hand. It starts with the, the soul in his chest. And we are going to fight for his life. We're going to fight for his passion. We're going to fight to create space for him. So if you could just shift your passion in this fight, and work with us for a moment. She said, no, it's too far. I can see his sin. And I said, well, ma'am, I can smell your pride. I would rather have somebody who is honest enough to bring out what they have rather than be a part of a church that's so churchified where you got the same amount of sin. You just know how to put your Sunday best over it. I'd rather be a part of a church where we're fighting for people to get free than have a church that's fighting to keep people out and stay sick. This is our fight. I wonder if there are some fights you need to reevaluate. As we leave here, I don't, can't finish. Just butchered the structure of all these messages today. It's because you guys are awesome. But as we close and team y'all can come up here, I wonder if there are some things, some fights you need to lay down and some new fights to pick up. Pray with so many people who've been frustrated for so long and I'll find out what they're mad about. I'm like, oh my gosh. You're a Christian, you need to grow. Why would you let that be what is on your mind that heavily? Let's pray for a breakthrough. Yeah. I'm standing up here, by the way, because my parents never stopped fighting this fight. There would have been moments, the last part of this message revolves around Paul saying, We only see half of it. Most Christians stop unless they see the whole picture. Being a faith-filled, Holy Spirit-led believer means I am going to fight even if I can't see the end of the line, even if I don't see any fruit. I believe that God's called me to be here, so I'm going to keep on fighting. This is my testimony. My parents never stopped praying for me. They never stopped inviting me. My sisters never stopped, you know, praying for me and giving me Bibles every Christmas. Every, I like, I don't want another Bible. But they kept fighting, kept fighting. I remember being the worst state of my life as a college sophomore coming home and my mom who never stopped loving me praying for me she'd always say you're a man of God I'd say no I'm not and I started to believe that but I remember sitting at a table one night my mom I can't imagine what faith it would have taken her to ask me this question again but she said hey son do you want to come to church tonight and I don't know why I said yes but I did and I got radically saved that night I don't know what led my mom to wake up every day and fight for her son, but I—I I, I will tell you this: some of you have dropped some fights. You need to pick them back up. You've given up on some people. Don't give up on God, because He loves those people. Maybe you've given up on some breakthrough. Maybe you've had some addictions, some strongholds where you're just like, "I'm not fighting this anymore." Can this be the Sunday? Where you pick yourself up off that floor and say, if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm going to fight another day and I'm going to grow another moment. God's going to do something new in my life. This is our portion. Should we choose to accept it? It's time to turn the page, y'all. Can I pray for you?